0: Up to this point, uh, Israel had had been wandering in the desert for 40 years, an entire generation. In fact, only those who were small children can remember the days when they left Egypt just after their enslavement there. So then God had parted the Red Sea in order to provide for their rescue and they're about to experience 40 plus years later another of something very similar right at the banks of the jordan river now god had done something with israel all right all of those years ago when he parted the red sea to ignite a spark of trust in them and he wanted to build on their past to ignite their hearts, not just with a spark, to fan into flame something in their hearts. A trust and a faith that would birth something new in them. A new faith that would rest in his presence and his promises. So there they are. Joshua, their leader, and potentially two million men, women, and children on the banks of the Jordan River, getting ready to step into the impossible. And this is where they found the courage to do it. God's faithfulness ignites our trust. God's faithfulness ignites our trust. As we go through this series, we've had a guide that we have put in your hands over the last two weeks, and and I hope that you remember to bring this. If you haven't got one. If, you, if you're new here with us, they're actually in a basket back here on the back table. I'd invite you just to go ahead and get up and go grab one or elbow the person next to you and tell them to go grab one. Um, go grab one because you're going to want this guide. In this guide, all right, this is like a tether for you for this season and for this series. All right? We've been in a two-year initiative called Shaken, and we're one year into it now and i want to tell you that our primary goal for this two years is that 100% of us and you saw students our our kids and our adults are all part of this and we we want to go on this journey together that 100% of us are taking deeper steps of trust as god calls something from our hearts our secondary goal over these two years is the 6.2 million dollars over two years to fuel ministry, the life change that you saw on that video And also life change happening worldwide As people come to full life in Jesus That's our secondary goal all right? This guide is your tether It, it gives you the vision um, For what Shaken's doing Lots of different things that have happened over the last year Your sermon notes A place for you to write sermon If you're not a note taker, that's in here all right. You can do that, you can force yourself to do that right now It's our life group material If you're not in a life group Use this material as a study. Go through it on your own, all right? You can find out so much more about Shaken and how passionate we really are about it, shakenchurch.com, or there's a Shaken Base Camp out at the lobby. There's a table there. You can't miss it. You can stop there for more information about that as well. But today, I want you to turn in that guidebook to page 34, all right? Page 34, go ahead and turn there. That's where you're going to take notes today. Our big idea is that God's faithfulness ignites our trust, all right? Now, I'm going to read with you quite a, a lengthy passage today from Joshua chapter 3. We're looking at the life of Joshua at Israel's march like into the promised land that God had given them. I'm going to read from chapter 3. We have Bibles at the hub if you don't have one, all right? But if you do have one in front of you or up on your phone, we're going to start in 3 verse 1. You ready? It's a long passage. Are, are you going to stay awake? All right, let's go. Verse 1. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites sent out from Shittah. By the way, that's how that's pronounced. Okay. Now you, now you see why they set out from there. They didn't want to stay there any longer. All right. And they went to the Jordan, the Jordan All right. where they camped before the crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the Ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all of Israel, so that they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests to carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you. And as soon as the priests who carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all of the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the people broke camp across the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during the harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a a heap a great distance away. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. Something that God is communicating about how he works in our lives. Some super important details that you pick out of this passage. And here's the first one. He leads you to places that you've never been before. All right? You saw him say that. He leads you to places that you've never been before. Israel, okay, let me give you paint this picture. They're headed into a land that they have never seen before. It's new ground. It's new territory. No one's been there before. All right? And you know, you, we always feel better, don't we, about stepping into a new place if we're with someone that's been there before, right? You've done that? Like if, you, if a friend's inviting you out to eat to go try a new restaurant, right? You're like, they're saying, no, come along. You're gonna love this place. You feel a lot more settled about it. You're going out of town to a vacation place. Maybe you're vacationing with another family. They've been there before. And they're like, no, you're gonna love this. It's right on the water, I promise. I, you know. And you're like, okay, I feel a little bit better about it. You ever been on a hike? Right? Someone that's hiked that trail before, you think that you're being led to your death, right? But someone's like, no, 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 come on, Calen, keep, keep going. I know it's hard right now, but you're, 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 it's going to blow your mind when you see this view up at the top, right? And you're like, OK, you've been there before. You feel better about, about going along, right? They're like, just trust me. Trust me. You're going to love this. Well, God doesn't ask you ever to go to a place that he hasn't gone ahead of you and been before. All right, and that's what you see with israel right here now the ark of the covenant. What is that? It's it, we remember it from um, indiana jones movies, right? If you love those movies, right? What is the ark of the covenant? All right, uh, it, it was a wooden box that was overlaid with gold And in it among other things were the ten commandments the tablets that moses had received from god on that mountain the ten commandments are in this box this is the presence of God that is carried with Israel throughout the desert, throughout their journey to into the promised land. The priests carry this box. This is God's presence with them, all right? And now Israel had to have been wondering at this point, okay? So let me get this straight. They get like all the officers get the instructions first, and then it's passed down to the people. And the people must have been saying, wait a minute, let me get this straight. We're going to follow the ark to the edge of the river, And then we're going to step into the water. Two million men, women, children, old people, animals, everything we own. We're going to cross through that water. Based on what, Joshua? Why should we do this? Based on what? And I, I think I I think because I do this. When I come before God and I feel God like you know just grabbing me and something, just grabbing my heart and something. What I want to say to him, what I often say to him is, God, you want me to go there, but based on what? How do I know? How do I trust? Like, I'm supposed to follow the Lord God, creator of everything, as it says in Joshua, with my finances, with my money. I'm supposed to be extravagantly generous, even when it doesn't make sense. And I want to say, God, based on what? Like, I'm supposed to... Believe that what God says and what sounds super archaic when it comes to sexuality Sounds so old-fashioned I'm supposed to believe that that is what God says is best and right and true But based on what? Come on, God, how do I trust you there? Right, I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to obey God All right, even when it goes against what, what I feel What I feel As if somehow that my my psychology takes second chair to God's sovereignty. Based on what? Based on what? You see, Israel must have been, as they're getting these instructions to cross this river, they must have been thinking to themselves, okay, so when our parents and grandparents were following Moses out of Egypt, by, by nighttime, God led them in this pillar of fire. And during the day, it was this cloud of smoke that went before them. That's what our parents and grandparents got, right? But now, you want us to step into those waters. No fire, no cloud, just step in and out. Based on what? God, you're leading us to a place that we've never been before. And and maybe you're saying, God, you just feel God tugging on your heart. For something. I don't know but it is. God, you're leading me. You're asking me to go to a place that I've never been before. But how? How? Notice that Israel had to stay back. Part of the instructions were that uh, the ark goes out ahead of them a thousand yards. Some commentators say that the ark went out ahead of the people, about a mile ahead of them. All right? all the men and women and children behind. I'm like, well, why? Why was it? I'll tell you why. Because God wanted to make sure that every man and and woman and child in that procession saw who they were following. Way out ahead. Okay? They knew it. And And here's where we start to misstep when it comes to following Jesus and trust. Okay? This is where it is. Because a lot of us think that when it comes to following Jesus and stepping into places of obedience and trust, that we're following a person. See, God's like, you're not gonna follow a person this time. You're not following that that preacher you love watching on the internet when you don't go to church on Sunday. All right? You're not following that guy. All right, you're not following your parents. Okay, and some of us make the mistake. We 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 think about our relationship with Jesus is really just going on about what did mom and dad do and I guess that's just what I do. What did grandma and grandpa do? And and I guess that's just what I do. Can I go to church? I pray like this, I I, you know, because that's what they did. Guys, like, no, 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 that's not that's that's not who's in front. You're not following, you're not following Joshua, you're not following mom or dad. You're not following a set of beliefs. You're not following a religious system of do's and don'ts. That's not who's in front. Don't make this mistake. You're following God. You're following God. He's in front. No leader, no set of rules, no fun stories. God. God's faithfulness ignites our trust. Here's what we find next. When we follow God, I'm sorry, when we follow, God is with us. When we follow, God is with us. He says that twice in verse 7 and in verse 10. So that you will know that I am with you. So that you know that I am with you. Joshua, this is so unfair, how inconsistent God is. I'm saying, I said it. Okay Joshua doesn't get a staff like Moses got That turned into a snake in front of Pharaoh Joshua doesn't get that At this time There is no plagues That God unleashes On the people of Jericho in the land of Canaan No, nope, no plagues, no staff that turns into snake All they have Is God That's all they get In fact in Joshua chapter 1 from a couple weeks ago This is what it says in verse 7 God's words to Joshua He says Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all of the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. So God's asking Joshua and Israel to step into something new, something bold. No special effects, no tricks, no show, no fire from the sky no blood in the river, just God himself. How anticlimactic is that? See, what God's telling Joshua is, see, I needed and I wanted to use those things then I used those things back in that generation because I was just establishing my relationship with Israel. They had no idea who I was and so I had signs and wonders to all them, to draw them to my glory and to my power and to my love and goodness, but I don't need that anymore because you have my word now. You have me working in your past and you have my word. See, they had the words that Moses had jotted down before his death, the books of Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and the book of Deuteronomy. They had God's presence. They had a memory of him working. They had his word. That's all they had to go on, but it was enough. It was enough. And you know, the way that God speaks to people 3,000, 3,500 years ago is the exact same way he speaks to us now. Doesn't it drive you crazy, man? Sometimes God moves in such obvious ways. Like, you can actually say, oh, did you see what God did? It's obvious, and you can point to it. And sometimes, sometimes God gives us these moments that we can look back in the past and be like, do you remember that time? And, and we say, yeah, oh, my gosh, it's so amazing. And, but yeah, sometimes God feels hidden. Like, sometimes he's not so obvious. And sometimes you, 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 you can't see where, where you're going. And God says to us, and this is, and this is what we get, no fire in the sky, no snake that, or staff that turns into a snake, we get God saying, I'm with you. I am present with you. You have my word. Obey it, meditate on it, and trust it. And you will prosper. That's what you and I have. Psychology Today, um, the magazine, quotes this study, and I thought it was kind of fascinating. It says that your ability, your my ability, to envision a, 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 a future, envision and describe a future, is easier for us when we do it in a place that is familiar to us, when we can tap into something in our past. So they did a study, okay? They said it is possible, all right, For us to make more specific predictions about our future, all right, if we're imagining that future in a familiar place, all right, so they did this study, they went to some college students and they said, listen, we want this group to take, we want you to write out very specifically as much as you can, predictions about your future, about this event that's going to happen, right, but we want you to picture yourself in your dorm room, the one that you live in right now. Tell us, tell us what you predict your future to be with this event. And they gave them an event. Right? Same event, same story. They gave it to the other group of college students. And they said, we want you to picture your future. Write out as specifically as you can with as much detail as you can how you think that's going to play out. But we want you to picture that event happening at the Egyptian pyramids. Right? And what they found was pretty, pretty obvious, right? The group that had pictured it in their dorm room was far more capable of, of talking about this future event in detail with personal effect than the people who had to do it with an unfamiliar place. So the conclusion was what they thought it would be, all right? We use our ability to plan for the future based strongly on our past experience and what's familiar to us, right? Right? but that's not how God always works. See, our psychology will betray us. That's not how God always works. See, God's faithfulness, get this, hear this, please. God's faithfulness is not dependent on an event or an experience or a place. God's faithfulness does not anchor itself in an event in your life in a past experience or in a place. God anchors his faithfulness in a person. See, Buddha will tell you that you have to follow a a pathway to enlightenment, and the pathway, the rules, get you there. Muhammad said the same thing. You follow this, these things, and you do these things, and you will reach heaven and paradise one day. But God said, I want you to follow a person. I want you to follow me. It's the only one like it. No world religion ever did it the same. God will anchor you in his faithfulness, not based on a past experience that you've had. Not based on a place that might be nostalgic to you not an event that may have seemed life-changing at the time but on a person jesus christ god ignites god's faithfulness ignites our trust i want you to hear from a white oak family here on this video who's on this journey with us so take a look at what they have to say
1: I'm Tom Fleischel, my wife, Ronnie Fleischel. We've been attending White Oak for over 35 years. And really, White Oak's been a huge piece of us for the last 35 years. Got married here, we were both baptized here. Our kids were baptized here. They grew up here in the church. Our closest friends are with the church. So it's been a huge part of our lives.
2: We've had actually a, a difficult year. Um, we've had we've had an issue in our family that has been um, challenging and um, scary, actually. And uh, you know, I I have always thought well, not always, but I have have come to the place where I thought I know, I trust God. I know how to trust God. I'm good at trusting God. He's He's taught me different ways that I can trust Him. But this year, He said. Um, you think you do, but now I'm gonna put you in a place that you haven't been before, and I'm gonna challenge you to trust me even more. I really have nowhere else to go. There's nowhere else I wanna go. I know I can trust you, help my untrust, you know? And, and he did, and he is moving and working and changing the situation. And it was coming to this place of saying, I surrender. I am. I am yours. And it has been, it's just been an amazing experience of God's power and God's people that we will never forget. We're different because of it. It has been a hard year for us. And um, what I haven't mentioned is that it's this issue that we've been dealing with in our family has also cost us financially. I mean, certainly it's been a, an emotional and spiritual um, journey. Um, but it has cost us more than we expected. You know, we have we actually have had to dip into our savings more than we expected because of this. So, so shaken has become more than just our our financial our financial things. It's allowing God in to do whatever He wants to do in me and around me and around our family.
1: There's some really hard times and a lot of unknown. But in that same time period, there's been some great things. But through that, God is, is showing himself more deeply to me. And so there's more hope in things that are hard. Keep, uh, keep connecting with God. Keep with the commitment. Think about what is the, the commitment to move forward, to really put that trust in God, even though things might not be turning out and probably aren't turning out quite as you had expected.
0: You know, I love, Ronnie said something the first time I saw that video that struck me so deeply. And she said that, yeah, you know, I used to think, you know, yeah, I'm good at trusting God. I know how to do this. I've been there. And, and then God said to her, what, what did she say? That, okay, but now I'm going to take you to a place you've never been before, and I'm going to ask you to trust even more. And I don't know in what ways the Spirit of God has been on your heart in these last few moments or in these last few days or weeks and where he's calling you to trust more, but we are together collectively in a season where God's calling each of us to trust him as it relates to our generosity. And as... Brian said on the video we have coming up here in just a, a couple of weeks on November 19th our commitment Sunday and inside your guide I know you have that commitment card and we've just said just put it somewhere right now where you just got that's just a place of prayer and consideration and I'm telling you on the 19th and, and 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 Denise and I will be doing this with you we're going to come to a place where we're going to say okay what is, what is God asking us to commit you know for some of us for some of you you're new to White Oak Right? Some of you, you're newer to White Oak. You weren't here a year ago when a lot of us stepped out into this journey. And I'm so glad you're here. And, and my, my call to you, my challenge to you is, is to prayerfully consider, is that something God's calling you to do? To step onto this journey with us where life change is happening in and through our, our generosity. That you would commit, you would think about stepping into this journey with us. Now others of you, many of you, you were here a year ago. Right? Maybe you made maybe you made a commitment, and just like my, myself and my wife, all right, and my kids, all right, we made a commitment a year ago. And my challenge to you, as we come towards November nineteenth, when we commit, is is is, is to finish strong. It's to finish strong. I know things change. I know things change after after we filled out a card, you know, back in November a year ago. Man, things change about our financial situations. Things change in our lives, and and, and Ronnie and Tom mentioned it. No, but can, can you honestly say, those of you who heard with us a year ago, that that, that commitment is as, is as hard and difficult now as it was then? Has it become easy? Has it become, become autopilot? For some of us, finishing strong in next, this next season to the commitment we made is exactly where God's calling us to do be. But, but for, for others, and I know this because I sense this and I've heard from some of you right? There's a possibility that God's tugging on your heart to to increase the amount that you committed last year because because that felt like a stretch then or maybe it didn't or maybe your your financial situation has changed. Your faith has been stretched and you need to change that number and you need to increase it. Listen, I don't know where God is on your heart. I don't know what God's doing and tugging on you in this season through your generosity and just in your faith walk. But I'm asking you to prayerfully consider As we come towards November 19th, in this one year mark where you commit for the first time, where you increase, where you finish strong and commit to finishing that, that we'll step into this place together. I'm telling you what, God always promises when we take steps of trust, He will do amazing things in and through us. He is always faithful. In fact, that's exactly what happens. All right, that's exactly what happens. That's what he tells them is going to happen. That's exactly what God does and through Israel. Here's our third and final point. God does amazing things when we step into him. He does amazing things. When, now understand this. The Jordan River is at flood stage when Israel steps into it. Generally speaking, where Jericho is, where they're crossing over, it's about 50 to 60 yards wide. All right? That's a pretty wide river at normal on flood stage, it's twice that. It's harvest season. And the snow in the mountains of Lebanon have been melting. And so for 1,000 feet, it drops to sea level, down to the Dead Sea, in this raging torrent of water. And Israel, God, <laughs> funnily enough, camps them on the banks for three days just to have them look at it. <laughs> for three days, these people are looking at this torrent of water thinking how in the world worry distrust discouragement and no way is that happening must have been the talk of the camp but God says to Israel that fly literally just flew right into my eye I mean light right into it I'm good I'm good all right see that's all right no we're going we're going we're doing this so God tells Israel something he says consecrate yourselves. Consecrate. What does that mean, consecrate yourselves? What God is saying is, I want you to ceremonially purify yourselves. You pray, you fast, you get your family ready, you get down on your knees, because tomorrow morning, I'm going to do something amazing in and through you. That's was God's message you see that water and so they do it all right when the priests carrying the ark when their toes touch the edge of the Jordan River it's unbelievable the water stops flowing in fact it piles up five miles back into like this force field where the water just hits it and then shoots up into a wall and the priests step out in the middle on dry ground and two million people cross over on the other side that's what our God can do Look at what Paul says, many generations later, to the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. He said, for I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers, that our forefathers were all under the cloud and that they were all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. What's Paul saying there? Listen, God always gives us a moment. And for Israel, twice now, in the Red Sea and now with the Jordan, he passes them through the water. A baptism, if you will, Paul says. They were baptized into a deeper experience with God. Right? God gave Israel this moment. He gave them two of them, all right, to remember his faithfulness and his mercy and his presence. Much later, 3,500 years later, Jesus will step into that same river. Crazy, right? And he will be baptized. Now, Jesus, didn't, Jesus is God. He didn't need consecrated and purified, but he needed initiated into his purpose. Because the Son of God was going to have to trust. And the Son of God was going to have to obey. And the Son of God was going to have to step to the cross. No torrent of water that day, but there was a torrent of blood. And where for Israel, God held back the water five miles with a wall, a force field of water, on that day that Jesus was nailed to the cross, all of God's justice, all of his wrath, all of the punishment for our sins was set forth in a gush over Jesus. so that it's always a so that so that you and I could look back not on an event but a person so you and I could look back at Jesus he's our fire at night he's your cloud during the day he is God's proof of his faithfulness he is the true word God that's all you have and church that is all you need we are celebrating baptisms next week it'll be up here November 12th hear my heart if you have never made the decision to surrender your life and faith to Jesus through baptism next week is your week allow God to give you that moment that washes over you. The moment that you look back on every day of your life, not the moment that you became perfect, not the moment that you became sinless, not at the moment that you did anything, but a moment you remember Jesus died for you and loves you like crazy. And if you've not made that decision, but you're feeling God tugging your heart to take that step of trust, Come find me or one of us after the service, and we will talk to you about that. God gives us moments in our journey that anchor us to his story. He always does. These things ignite a movement in your heart. That's why he does them. And each and every person in this room, God is trying to ignite a movement in your hearts. The cross is our anchor. The cross is our moment. We get to look back on that and say it's enough. It's enough to ignite our trust. Jesus, thank you for stepping in. You stepped into my place and you call me to step in and trust. Give me the strength, all of us, Father, the strength to do it, the obedience. You're enough. We love you. Amen.